This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello, I'm Alison Larkin, writer, comedian, narrator, and host of The Jane Austen Podcast. Join me as we embark on a journey through Austen's timeless stories, starting with Pride and Prejudice. The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome. You've got digital folklore. Previously on Digital Folklore. I'm not really big on pawn shops at all. I'll let you take it complimentary if you want to buy a Game Boy. Who are you? I'm Todd. This is Todd's shop. I'm a collector of sorts. A folk group can be as little as two people, or a hundred or something, or even more, who all share something. I'm Niall Sankey. I... I worked on the game Assemblance. Oh, hey, Niles. What? what? Oh, hey, Matthew, what's up? You two know each other? I was just one of the main Discord users that was involved in unwrapping some of the mysteries. I bought a bike at a pawn shop because I'm an adult. Hey, did you leave a light on? Huh? Is, yeah, is there like a light in your trunk or something? It's like. Yeah, wait, maybe I left it? I don't think. Let me. Wait. Ah! I told you to keep your eyes open. You never know what you might discover. <laughs> So if Todd's closes at 8 p.m. and we were there, we couldn't have been there for more than 15 minutes after the whole thing closed. So uh, we got, I don't, oh, hold on. Yeah, uh, come in, door's open. All right. Oh, hey, hey, Perry. You're, you're here. That's good. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and you're, you're here, which is. Yeah. Good. How are you? How are you doing? How are you? How are you doing? Well, I'm f- fine. I'm, I, well, I'm good. I'm good, actually. I'm good. You? I'm pretty good. Uh, I was just wondering. Nope. I I was in the area. Um, Harry, you live like 80 miles away. What are you doing in this area? All the other grocery stores were closed, and I had to go a little bit further, I think. What? Yeah, stores were closed. I had to do some shopping 80 miles away. It's perfectly normal. I'm just— Okay. I knew that you live close by, and I wanted to—I know we didn't have anything scheduled, and I really just felt like seeing— if everything was okay. You don't remember anything? No. Okay, yeah, me neither. All right, okay. All right. So... The last thing I remember is we left Todd's, I got the bike, and then I woke up. The last thing I remember... Oh, and I did, when I realized I woke up and had this whole missing time thing, I did check my skin for microchips. Have you done that yet? No, I did not. And any unidentifiable marks? Thanks, Perry. Thanks for a new anxiety. Anyway, the the last thing I remember was something about the trunk. We had gotten your bike. We had uh, met Todd and seen that really weird room that he had and saw Matthew and Niles. And then I remember bike and trunk. You had a light on. You had a light on in your trunk. I mean, I didn't have a light on, but there was a light coming from my trunk. Yeah. And then darkness and then i woke up and yeah no microchips but i'm oh wait how is digby digby's fine i think are you sure he's not watching us well he's always kind of watching us 
No, he looks creepier than the last time I saw him. Harry, I don't know how long it's going to take you to get used to my pet raccoon, but at some point you're just going to have to accept Digby for who he is. Watching us. Yeah, he's a raccoon. He has nothing else to do. All he does is watch us and eat stuff off the floor. freaking creeping me out, man. Okay, Digby, go in the other room. Perry doesn't like you. Wow. Now, okay, now is he creepy or is he sad? Because he looks sad to me. He's a good actor. So... Well, two things. One, I would appreciate it if sometime that you show up and come over, you don't bully me about the way I live. And two, did you look back in your trunk after all of that? Have you checked? I have. I'm, number one, I'm sorry for seeming like a bully about the crap that you have around here. It's if you did it again, not the way that I would choose to live, but it's fine for you, apparently. So I'm, I'm good with that. I'm not going to bully you about the crap or your lifestyle or your eating habits or your cleanliness or lack of cleanliness or who you choose to spend your time with whose name starts with D and end with Y. It's actually an I, but okay. It would be. Anyway, trunk. I've not thought to check the trunk since I got home last night at a time that I don't remember getting home or waking up this morning and not remembering anything else. I've just been a little bit freaked out and preoccupied. Number one, I didn't want to check on you, but I felt like I had to in order to be able to put this together. Well, I do appreciate that. That is nice. Number two, there is no number two. Okay, there is no number two. Why don't we, you drove here, right? I did drive here. Why don't we go check? Um... Is it a new car? It is a new car. Nice. Yeah, I'm afraid that it's been tainted now, though. Ah, I don't know. It's a Beamer. They're always kind of tainted. I don't... Pop the trunk? Yeah, we'll pop the trunk. Hey. I don't remember... Is this mine? Is this one of mine? No, this... What, did you finally give in, get a real real player? It's a, this is just a half, standard half-inch tape? No, I, no, I didn't. Mine still... This isn't one of mine. This says Niles and Matthew on it. Well, we... Talked to Niles yesterday. And Matthew. Niles was the guy who made that uh, assemblance, the video game, and the ARG in it. I remember talking to them at Todd's Pawn Shop. In that weird room. Yeah. I don't remember putting it in the trunk. Well, let's check it. I got all my gear out. You brought your gear out here? No, it's in my house. It's just oh, out. Okay. It's on the table. Like all of the rest of my stuff, I'm sure you noticed. Come on. Yeah, I don't know how attached you are to your stuff. I didn't know if you had an alarm system and just carry it around with you. The alarm system is basically that you can't walk through here without knocking at least a few things over, and I'm pretty sure I'd notice because I also sleep here. Oh, your alarm system is Digby, and he sleeps on the job. He's a part of it. Let me spool this up. Let's see what this is. I think if we just put that at the start and then the next bit at the end... And when they start hitting that timestamp right in the middle, I think, yeah, I, th I think they're really going to like that. What do you reckon, Niles? What are we talking about? Sorry. That's right. That's the attitude that we want. I don't All remember right. any of this. Um, Let's just let it play. Look, I think, I think this thing has come together really well. We've got experience together, having done some stuff with Assemblance. It's really funny. The, the work that I do, having had to be remote work for a long time, I felt like that was remote working, but I think the stuff that we've been tic-tacking off each other for the last few years has been the actual remote work. Like, it's been really interesting to feel like I've got a relationship with you, even though we've never actually met until this point. And something that I really want to know from you is how you felt about this. Because again, it's really hard to get in touch with you sometimes. And I know that's because you, you do a lot of travel for your work and you're not contactable, but what's your feeling about the assemblance Discord stuff after Oversight, because I don't think there was much for the first game, was there? I barely knew what Discord was until Assemblance, which is kind of funny. And now it's so critical to to sort of game development and building communities. That 
Discord community and channel kind of felt like it just grew organically, at least from my perspective. You know, I think a lot when it comes to a lot of game development these days, you know, you're very developers are very conscious uh, to like actually, well, we need a Discord channel and that has to be said information and it has to be cultivated and that's part of our marketing channels, etc. But the nice thing about uh, the Assemblance Discord is it kind of took on life of its own, which is what I was hoping that the game would at least do in, in some capacity. And, and it would take on life of its own in a way that nobody really knew where the game came from or, from my perspective, where the Discord came from. So when I started to see that there was this Discord community and uh, I was, you know, linked to it, I was like, oh my God, look at this. It's like, this exists. Where did this come from? And it, and because of the anonymous nature of the internet or, or, or uh, Discord, it's not clear. It sort of was this organic sort of creation. And it was just this sort of beautiful payoff from what I was hoping the game would be. And I didn't know how the game, how Assemblance could sort of achieve this, but I sort of, I wanted the Assemblance to feel like, in a sense, the chamber and the AI, how it's a, it's a living entity and you don't quite understand how it works. And I was hoping that it would sort of take on a mind of its own. And in a weird way, uh, Discord sort of delivered on that. And so that was um, sort of a weird, humbling, unexpected, and completely awesome experience to have. How often were you in there? Because that's something that none of us were sure of. Quite often. But the other people that helped me, I had one writer that I worked with at Bungie, actually. And then my cousin, who's an audio producer, super talented audio producer, but more works in the music scene of Seattle. Um, but we always jammed on or collaborated on these ideas of sending out these emails that are part of the ARG. And then my cousin actually did the hard work, the, the work of actually setting up the emails. And then we would just sort of monitor. I can't remember exactly when we found Discord. And it, I think, it, I don't know if it was before or after like the launch of uh, Oversight, but in any case, when we realized it existed, and this was our main conduit sort of into the community, I was very clear, like, we do not present ourselves as real people. Like, we're not developers. We're, we're just observing. And because it, it, it again, it tried to, I tried to reinforce this. Nobody really 100% knows what this, where this game came from or what it is and who made it. That's why there's no credits in, in the game. There, there is credits, but they're, they're sort of contextually hidden in the game. I played the first one and found those credits again. Those credits, yeah. Yeah, in the office. And I went so far to not even, I don't think my name is even on there. I was very insistent that my name not appear anywhere in the game, um, just as, as a spiritual sort of reason, like to get behind this idea. If other people weren't going to have their name that worked on the game front facing, you know, like, like normal credits, I was like, well, then I have to just remove my name completely. But it was a part of that effort to, to remain anonymous and let the game be its own thing. And so we were very, um, I, we were always watching Discord once we knew that existed, but we were just purposely silent and just, just watching. We didn't want to disrupt the sort of life that had been created. This is an interview. I mean, yeah, apparently, unless they just talk like that. So Matthew orchestrated some kind of weird interview without us around? I mean, yeah, it seems like it. I don't know where your head is with this, but this feels like something bigger to me. Perry, I know a lot of weird stuff has happened, but this you, I don't- This entire thing could have mm -hmm. been set up. Todd knew your dad and apparently knew you, and so he knows you wouldn't pick up that bike for a few days. Hey listeners, we wanted to take a second to tell you about a podcast that we think you'll like. It's called 
Guide to the Unknown. Guide to the Unknown is a podcast about horror movies and the paranormal. Every week, siblings Kristen Anderson and Will Rogers discuss pop culture and the unexplainable. Will comes at things from the perspective of a celebratory skeptic, whereas Kristen comes at it a little bit more like a believer. Favorite episodes include a look at haunted amusement parks, listener stories, cursed thrift store purchases, and breakdowns of tons of horror video games and movies. Everything from Silent Hill to classic slashers and their remakes. New episodes come out every Friday on all major podcast apps, and there's a weekly video version of the show on YouTube. You can follow them on social media at GTTUPod and find them at youtube.com slash gttupod guide to the unknown go check it out we think you'll like it hey listeners if you're like me and enjoy escaping to a real movie theater then regal unlimited just makes sense it's the all you can watch movie subscription pass that pays for itself in just two visits you can see any standard 2d movie anytime with no blackout dates or restrictions and your membership lets you get into premium format shows like imax and 4dx at a reduced cost plus you'll save 10 percent on all non-alcoholic concessions regal unlimited It's the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass that pays for itself in just two visits. So, if you're planning on seeing a couple movies this month, join Regal Unlimited. Now is the best time as summer's coming up. Sign up now in the Regal app or on the website at regmovies.com slash unlimited. And be sure to use the code FOLKLORE24 to get 10% off a three-month subscription. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. I mean, all that to say this, basically, they're up to something. And we've played right into their hands. Yeah, Perry, hey, how about, and maybe this is a wild idea, but why don't we just finish listening to the tape before we start jumping down rabbit holes? I mean, good point. There may be some clues in there. You never know what we might find if we just keep our eyes and ears open. Mm -hmm. 
go go ahead and hit play. Oh, definitely. Uh, one of the big things about it would it felt like we were clamoring for things with each other, but that there was really no interaction except during oversight anyway, during using the Instagram. Actually, it was really just the Instagram, wasn't it? It's been a few years now, but that was where a lot of the red herrings came out for the second one. But actually, that's where you shouted out the community too. You were an Instagram influencer at the beginning. Was I? I don't even... I I think so. I guess that's possible. I don't remember, actually. Well, look, I think a lot of the stuff that you did also influenced or may have been influenced by a lot of games that that I've discovered recently that have a a similar kind of fourth wall bending kind of thing to it, which I think I have to thank you for because, like, Assemblance was the first of those games that kind of flipped the lid on how game design can be and how the experience can be as well. I'm curious what you've played since making those games that, that might give you similar feelings. And the first one that comes to my mind is Immortality, the Sam Barlow game that came out this year. Have you had a chance to play that one yet? No, I'm taking notes. Though. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I feel like I just, I'm getting either old or something where I don't really play a lot of games. And so... Happens to all of us. Yeah. Like um, I'm doing a video game news podcast at the moment and, well, kind of at the moment. I need to restart for this year, but I've, I'm finding that there's less and less time for video games. And if you can't play the subject matter of a thing you're doing a podcast about, it feels a little bit weird. It's an odd place to be in. Yeah. I suppose it would be even weirder if you make games and you can't play games. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I kind of feel that way going into this about uh, ARGs. Like, I, I've never designed anything like that. Like, I was involved. I was at companies where they had done stuff like that, but I wasn't involved with that. So a lot of this, I think I may have mentioned this in the previous interviews, but a lot of it was a lot of those puzzles or ideas were were thrown together so fast and I was like I don't even know if this is gonna work or what this is and I think like like I said I was working with uh, Eric the writer and Adam my cousin and even they I think were like what is he talking about and it's like I, I don't know I bet it, I think it could work the interesting thing about these types of puzzles and and you sort of spoke to it where and I've heard this from multiple people that have played a semblance where I think these types of puzzles play tricks on the mind and I'd say 90% of what the results are, are the own, you're the human mind or your mind sort of building thought and sort of constructing a game out of just these sort of hints or these leads that are given that they don't have to be very deep. But if you ask the right questions, even if they're very simple, <laughs> the human brain, I think, constructs, makes these complex thought processes and debates in its mind didn't really know what I was doing, but it it does sort of demonstrate the power of, yes, these sort of subjective, cryptic questions and puzzles. Well, that's what you have to call the third game, probably, Emergence. Emergence. Yeah. So many game designers try to get emergent game design. And when you think emergent game design, you probably think GTA V in the first instance. Right, right. Because you can be whoever you want to be. If you've created a game, potentially by accident, that has us knitting together threads to create a massive story that we've created ourselves. That's that's like true emergence, I think. It's a good description. Yeah, I think that's a good word um, to, to describe sort of what I was attempting to attempting to describe. You definitely hit it with oversight, but maybe you were just giving it a test run with a semblance. 
because I think the the number of red herrings in that second game is just immense. This this is kind of getting really close to the things that I want to ask you and talk to you about, which is the things that you probably won't want to talk about on a podcast recording. But the big one that everyone seems to have an opinion about is the woman, the woman who seems to be the emergence within the emergence and would probably describe it as the horror element of the game because it's only it's the only real bit that kind of gives you those chills, not to mention you created a game around the same time as the release of PT with a corridor that has a changing environment and that you are going through constantly all the time. Was that something that you thought about actually? Oh yeah, PT was PT is probably the biggest uh, influence on Assemblance. That was sort of a game changer for me in terms of design and simplicity and just yeah, PT is brilliant in a lot of different ways. It was a teaser, but I consider those things games. Obviously, I think that's probably not a controversial statement. It's supposed to be a demo. I consider that one of my favorite games ever. Beyond the the pure horror, like it's the scariest piece of media I think I've ever experienced. Um, movie or game. It's just it. The first time I played it, I couldn't sleep for a couple nights. Just just very disturbing feeling. But um, certainly the genius of wow, they made a full experience out of a hallway. I mean, obviously there's extra little tweaks to that but I, I couldn't believe it and yeah it was very inspiring let's say so assemblance is kind of part pt and part stanley parable those are the two like pieces of art that I, I i just was very inspired by at the time obviously you know revisiting these rooms over and over comes from pt and i was like well maybe there's a sort of a slightly different way to do it and wrap a sort of fictional wrapping around that that's slightly different and disguise that towards the end there was all these you know, analyses on how to unlock the... I can't remember what they're trying to unlock. Maybe it was the trailer itself or Silent Hills at the time, Silent Hills. But something about screaming into your microphone and all this crazy stuff you had to do. And I was like, that's so cool. And then and Stanley Parable did kind of similar things, just sort of a different flavor. But yeah, those two. If you take that and just put some David Lynch on top of it, that's, that's all it is. There was a point in the game, in Oversight, as I was playing it, where we couldn't progress with as a community because we needed more clues from you to be able to unwrap the things to be able to continue with whatever was going on and there was a very weird ending that i got that seemed like a broken mashup of a bunch of different endings from or not endings but like transitional things like strung together and i can't remember if i contacted you or if i contacted the community and shared it and Someone had responded, I think I might have even sent it to the Carter Besta email about what it actually was, like if it was a bug with the game or if it was a ghost in the machine or what was going on with it. And I think at the time you said it was a bug or someone did and that it was going to be updated out or something like that, which made me think that because we didn't have enough clues from from you as part of the ARG outside of the game portion we wouldn't have been able to progress with the game anyway but that maybe you were gating some portions of the game with updates so that people couldn't data mine the information to get at the end game before we anyone actually got there so did did you actually do that so the short answer is there yes there were all these updates at the end in or during the right after release now i don't remember the specifics and I think there would, I was doing almost like daily updates and it was a total crazy nightmare because at the time it was PC, I think Steam, you know, and uh, 
and PlayStation, PS4. And so PS4 is this, like, this is going to go into some technical game design stuff, but the consoles in general are just difficult to ship on. It's different. Steam's very easy to update. Not only is PlayStation 4 very comp- difficult to update, especially patch. At the time, patching was so difficult. There was the, there was the American region, and then there was the Europe slash Australian region. And I had players on both sides, and so I had to come up with a system where, because I needed to put out updates, um, but I had to come up with a system where I did this as fast as possible, and then everybody got the update at the same time. That was a nightmare, but it got to a point where I was like, you know, I think this would be really cool if I could keep updating it and there'd be new things. And it, and we sort of just, the, the community had a couple weeks where there was just new things being released. I can't remember exactly how it went down, but yes, there was a bunch of updates that happened and it was, that was me scrambling behind the scenes, like absolute just crazy situation of trying to cook all these different builds and then time everything and upload it by some miracle it worked. And I'm definitely certain that the the thank you ending of Assemblance uh, 2 of Oversight was not in the original releases. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I've always tried to make these games to to be like they'll never solve this puzzle and it'll go on for weeks or months and then like the white shift of the first game i can't believe that that was solved in what was it like a week or two i was like well i mean i don't even think they'll ever figure this out but maybe i can present this game that where people know there's one last puzzle but they never can quite figure it out it's just so complex but then it just got solved you know george uh, Blue Ranger solved it. And so for the second one, I was like, well, I'll throw in a bunch more puzzles, but maybe I, we can still achieve this thing where there's just so much, so many different paths that it'll go on for a while and it never does because people are just so smart and resourceful. But it's like, how did they figure that out? Like, I would never be able to figure that out. And and sometimes when I go back, I was looking at, I can't remember why, but oh, I had to put the game on Epic Store. And I was like, well, I need to test this to make sure it all works. And I was like, how do you solve these puzzles again? Like, 
I'm sure I can remember and or I can look at the clues and I was like, what? I don't even remember. Like, what is this? And then I'm looking online and I'm like, what the hell? Like, how did people do this? Like, I, the people are insane. Like, they're so smart. And I was always hoping that these, that, that the content would carry people longer and then people would catch up in a few days. I'm like, ah, uh, I think we need more because there's a lot of momentum here. And, and if it stops here, people are going to be disappointed. So let's just, let me just throw in more and more content and make it even more obscure and more obscure. And that's kind of what was going on at the time. I don't think any of us that have know the game well enough would say that the white shift is the end because there's always more. The, the bit that you did at the end of Oversight where we got the white shift, which is the bit that we were conditioned to see, the, the portrait of the child, and then you flashed three documents up talking about three different global locations. And how long do you think it was before some of us were like, oh, we, I live in Nevada, there's a bathosphere over there, I can go to that location and check it out. And all that kind of thing. The tour gate in Japan, I don't think we had anyone Japanese in the in the community, but I think that was the worst thing you could possibly do to, or the best thing to create more like emergent discussion at that point. We, yeah, we toyed with the idea of doing a real world sort of ARG and having something buried in the ground. Um, we were so close to doing that and it just was just a little bit too much. And also, yeah, it's like, do we want to be sending people in real places? Like, what if they, they're going places that, you know, they got the longitude and latitude wrong and they're, they're in some dangerous location. So, um, I mean, I guess that's the nature of ARGs, right? But um, the, the real reason I guess we didn't was it was just so hard to ship the game as what as is. And, and we really wanted to do it, but some real world stuff. But uh, we just didn't have the resource, I guess, or time to do it. That's all right. But now Inscription has managed to do that. They had buried the floppy disk that has the Inscription game on it. And then some fans went out and... That's awesome. Yeah, the, uh, the guy who made it went out there and gave them some merch or something. So it was very low impact. Yeah, heard about this as well. You might just need to sequester yourself for like a month and just power through all these. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Now, the thing that I want to bring up with you is... The idea that Assemblance, I think, when it was released, I think it it really got shortchanged in the games media. Like the review space, like I actually discovered it by watching people on Giant Bomb reviewing it and going through that initial instance. And I thought, yeah, that looks like my cup of tea. But invariably the discussion around it was, wow, this is a great one hour long experience with nothing in it. I want you to know that I think they were completely wrong and I've been on a mission for maybe the last couple of years to try and talk about it as much as I can, to try and unfurl the kind of mystery that belied underneath. But I'm, I really hope that after that stuff, I mean, clearly you didn't because you made someone's oversight, but I really hope that that kind of stuff didn't really impact the, the way that you felt like you put the game together because it was incredibly good. Very much appreciate that. It's complicated. Like anytime you produce art, there's going to be criticism yeah it's interesting like there's two ways to look at it with a semblance like i think it's something like 99.9 some percent of indie games don't make more than x number of sales or dollars and so it's weird because the semblance is in that highest i can't remember what the percentage is but the semblance is in a very high echelon of success but yet <laughs> even within that high echelon there's such a broad spectrum and so it's kind of a mixed 
thing that I, it doesn't really like some of the reviews are always painful. Like there were definitely reviews where I think I remember when I was, we just first released the game and this was before any of the original sort of streamers. And we just watched this one person playing it and it was barely known at the time. And he plays through it and like 40 minutes or 50 minutes later, whatever, how long it takes to do that initial cycle. He gets to the end, he, and it's not the real end. It's or it's, it's the it's the basic ending. And he's like, he says, "That that's it. That's ridiculous." And he just was like, "This game sucks." And I looked at my cousin because we put so much work into it, and we just sort of laughed and like, "Well, I guess we didn't do it." Oh well, let's go <laughs> grab a coffee. Like it's just the type of thing that over the years, as a game developer, you just get used to, and it's just or as an artist, I'm sure any artist, I'm sure you can appreciate it as well. It's just part of the the trial that you go through to be a creative, a uh, creative. I will say when it came to semblance, that was the bottom from there on out. It was awesome. And then, you know, watching, you know, George uh, Blue Ranger do that first white shift run. You know, I, I think I was watching it live that made up for any kind of little snide, silly, shallow remarks made by anybody else. And, and I don't mean to suggest that their criticism wasn't valid for them. That wasn't the game for them. That's totally fine. But, in any case, that is so easy to forget what's happened since then with uh, streamers. And then it even blew up bigger with the Discord server. And here I am, you know, talking with you, meeting, sort of meeting you after all these years. Like, a semblance is still, for me as a creator, like just paying off in, in these really wonderful ways that to sort of transcend sales figures and that those measures of success. Now, was that enough red herrings for our little ARG? Well, I don't remember any of that. No. But it was interesting. It was interesting, but it also seems like they're trying to tell us something. I mean... Yeah, I'm not... I don't know what sort of game they're playing at, but... Clearly, they're trying to send a message. I don't know if I like it. I think they might just be messing with us because we were asking them all those questions about ARGs. But the thing I don't like is that they snuck it into your trunk and that we don't remember anything. And this doesn't really answer any questions about that or any questions about Todd's place. No, it doesn't. But I'm going to go get a burner phone and leave him creepy voicemails. Sure, man. You do you. I was thinking we could just go talk to Todd. Sure. I mean, the other thing we could do, and this just occurred to me, this might be a wild idea, but we could just kind of forget that this ever happened and move on. Yeah, that's an option. Thanks for listening to Digital Folklore. If you're enjoying the show, subscribe to or follow us in your favorite podcast app. Check out our website at digitalfolklore.fm. And you can also find us on Twitter at DigiFolklorePod and Facebook at DigitalFolklorePod. A special thanks this episode to Niles Sankey of Nilo Studios. He's an interactive experience designer in the gaming industry since 1999, with a lot of projects under his belt. And you can play the games mentioned in this episode, Assemblance and Assemblance Oversight, on PlayStation, Xbox, Steam, or the Nintendo Switch right now. And also, thank you to Matthew Bliss, avid ARG solver. Also, Matt hosts the Dead Drop podcast. It's a phenomenal 10-minute, twice-weekly podcast featuring video game news, analysis, and industry insights. It is incredibly succinct, well-researched, and highly digestible. A great show for anyone interested in keeping up with the gaming world. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode of Digital Folklore, we talk more with Matt and Niles, as well as some other experts and some characters about folk groups, haunted video games, creepypastas, alternate reality games, and more. 
you should give it a listen. Oh, and check the show notes. Always check the show notes for relevant links, references, information on our guests, and more. Digital Folklore is distributed by Realm and is a production of 8th Layer Media. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll catch you next time. Oh, and uh, Digby says you should check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash digital folklore. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.